You're listening to the Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. This is where we bring you the week's news in bite-sized portions. And I'm joined in studio by Head of News, Jerry Collison. Jerry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Keen. How are you getting on? Not too bad at all. That's good to hear. Uh, there's also some good news with uh, Troy Studios. There is indeed, yeah. It's the gift that keeps giving. Um, you may remember um, last year there was a great um, song and dance about the release of the first major... Um, promotion or production from Troy called Night Flyers the, um, the Netflix series yeah, yeah. With, with our friend from the from the Game of Thrones the, um, the uh, writer of the Game of Thrones um, now Night Flyers was released and on the sci-fi channel and uh, lasted one season it wasn't uh, recommissioned um, but the good news was that there were over 300 people employed out at the studios for nine months and there was more than 50 million went into the local economy Brilliant. yeah so the good news now is that we're ready for round two um so it was confirmed this week that there's a big budget another sci-fi series uh called foundation and this is going to be one of the first big uh, screenings on the apple plus streaming network um, now, it's in pre-production already, and um, the film is bound to get, get together, we'd say, by the end of the year. Um, now, out at Troy, they're actually in the course of constructing a fourth soundstage, which will mean that they'll be able to have a number of productions going on there simultaneously. Um, but this particular one, anyway, seems to have great promise. It's, um, it's based on a series of books by... Um, by a, a Russian-born American professor called uh, Isaac Asimov. Um, now, a lot of people had said that his books are virtually unfil- unfilmable, but, um, you know, they have the same dilemma now with Catch-22, which seems to be uh, getting quite a, yeah. a, a good audience on, on mainstream TV now at the moment. But this particular one, anyway, it's going to be over 10 series and it's going to be produced by the same company that's doing the latest uh, Jack Reacher and uh, Terminator films. So it seems to have a fairly good pedigree going for it. And the fact it has the 10 seasons off the bat is definitely a plus, you know. Well, it's actually probably 10 episodes, ten episodes. In, in one season, but you never know. There might yeah. be 10 seasons in it. Um, no, um, the, the, the former mayor, um, James Collins, who's the Cahirlock uh, of the, uh, the Metropolitan District here in Limerick. Now, he's making, he's making a call that the uh, producers would avail of enhanced um, grant and tax breaks from the, from the government and also um, to employ uh, local labour, local workers on the production. Now, I don't think he's going to have much problems having them to accede to that request because um, there were quite a, a good few locals had uh, developed the skill set necessary uh, as a result of the uh, Night Flyers production. So, you know, it looks fairly hopeful. It looks like as if there will be uh, a good amount of local people employed and there's something like 45 million um going into this production Brilliant. so yeah it's good news and then i see there as well the limerick council has invested more than 6.5 million euro in that already that's yeah that, investment paying off you know absolutely you know it's one of these ones where you know you have to sort of take the hats off to the council it's it's one of these areas where you know they've shown a, a good bit of enterprise and a bit of forward thinking so fair play to them um you know that Hopefully now there'll be even more to come from it. Hopefully. Jerry, thanks very much for joining us. And that story is available on page one and two of this week's Limerick Post and online at limerickpost.ie. Thanks a million. You're very welcome.
So I'm now joined in studio by journalist Bernie English. Bernie, how are you getting on? I'm pretty good, Keen, and yourself? I'm good, thank you. Uh, there was some big news last week about the Ryder Cup. There was indeed. Coming was... to Adair yeah. in 2026. Yeah, yeah, fantastic news. Great really, news really. For the it's, it's for the whole region, really. Yeah. Um, and really, everywhere, not just the Midwest region, but the Western region as well, I think it's, you know, it, it is the tournament. And we haven't had it here since, oh, I think, 1976 or something. Yeah, it would have been 2006. 2006, yeah. sorry. Stand corrected. And then it was in the, Kate, there, the, yeah. the, the, the inimitable K-Club. Um, yeah, it's, it's, coming, it's coming here and everyone's very excited about it. It's literally going to be worth millions to the local economy. Yeah. But there's a bit of a row. Okay. Because the decision was barely announced when the Dublin Airport Authority sent out a tweet declaring themselves to be the um, gateway Airport for the Ryder Cup. It only makes sense, does it, Bernie? I sure know. It's only a couple <laughs> hundred miles up the road. You know, so. uh, yeah. So I'd imagine there wasn't. Nice I mean, why, why would why why would Shannon be the gateway when it's exactly, only when it's twenty yeah. minutes away? You know, so. Would you rather a two and a half hour drive or a? Oh, well, yeah, drive? and a half yeah. a day sitting on the M50 car park. You know, so, so I'd imagine the reaction wasn't the best from the public. There wasn't. No, I mean, we, I saw some of the tweets that were that were flung back, and yeah. ye gals was probably the <laughs> kindest of them. You know. Um, and then there's been official reaction all over the place, obviously. Uh, he, James Collins, the Cahirlock of, of Limerick Municipal District, Metropolitan District, has called for the minister to intervene and redress Dublin airports, what he describes as gluttony. Yeah. So, of course, the bigger question, and a lot of people have raised it now, this may actually be a blessing in disguise. Because the bigger question, obviously, is that we don't have an aviation policy in this country. Yeah. Anywhere else in the world, if you want to fly into Heathrow, and you're an airline, then the aviation authority over there will say, yep, you can fly into Heathrow, but you better all also go to Cumbersea on Scone and, you know, uh, Melrose on so this, this on time. a bit of fire under that. It, yeah. It, well, yeah, well, I mean, we've got six years. Yeah. So, yes, it should it should very much light a fire. And there are politicians jumping up and down and saying, this is terrible and cheek of Dublin Airport. and Talk is cheap, though. Very yes, enough. you know, yeah. I mean, this is, this is time for them to act, to actually do something. And we've seen that that legislation can be enacted very quickly when the, when the government wants to move on it. Yeah. So I think um, they really have to actually get their get get their heads together now, sit down and get us an aviation policy that will take some of the massive tra- uh, traffic that is coming in through Dublin and and, and send it down to other airport, or airports, not just Shannon, but what about Knock? What about mm-hmm. Cork? Cork are still under the DAA's dead hand and they don't realise they're really getting a bad yeah. deal, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it's time the government actually did take some action. And, you know, uh, positive discrimination is not a dirty word. Yeah. It's, it's, what got, it's what got people into jobs in Shannon. It's what got the whole of the Shannon area developed. And, you know, that was because there was positive discrimination to support the airport when it started out. And we need a little bit more of that now. Yeah. So this is a story that we'll obviously keep an eye on for the next six years at least. We will. Know. We will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll probably be retired before the conclusion <laughs> comes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And to, it's not so good news. Afraid not. Um, in one way, yes. Yeah. There's uh, a six million respite centre for disabled children has been built in Limerick, St. Gabriel Centre in Munger. Yeah. And this is a state-of-the-art, fantastic uh, unit which will actually help not just children with, with, with single disabilities, but children with complicated medical needs, yeah. mental disabilities, physical disabilities. And this is something people have been looking for for a very long time in, in the area. Oh, absolutely. Area. Um, and it was built It was built with a combination of things, including uh, a loan and a million from the J.P. McManus Benevolent Fund. Yeah. But 
they can't open it because the HSE doesn't have the money to staff and equip it. Uh, and it's, it really seems a terrible, terrible pity because for the parents of these children, it's, it's really an ongoing struggle. Um, it's not like you can call somebody in to babysit and have a night off, you yeah. know. They, they really need this facility and the children need this facility to, um, m- you know, to maximise their own potential. And this could, this could cater for, it could cater for up to 30 children. Um, but the HSE has said in a statement that the standard of the facility which was developed from their own resources is fantastic, but they don't, they don't actually have the money right now to open it. And they're hoping that funding will be made available to incrementally open it. But it does seem a terrible pity that such a fantastic facility is sitting there when so many people need it across the Midwest. And I'd imagine with the National Children's Hospital in the background there as well, the way the funding went over on that, that's going to... Yeah, well, we haven't seen half of the fallout from that yet. And, exactly. and you know, it's, it's hard to know, was this project something that was going to be funded yeah. before we ended up with that huge overspend? I, I think we'll probably never actually know which projects will, will be cancelled because yeah. of this. We'll just know the money isn't coming down the line. And ho- hopefully this will be corrected soon and they, they will get the staff because I know it is really well needed in the, in the well, region. They're a fantastic service and they already provide um, a wide range of other services for nearly 600 children. Um, you know, so I, I, I hope the pressure will be kept on and that we'll get to see this facility open sooner rather than later. Brilliant. Uh, Bernie, those stories are available in this week's Limerick Post newspaper and online at limerickpost.ie. They're indeed keen and thank you very much. Thank you for joining me. I'm now joined in studio by the Mega famous, every post show host, <laughs> Megan Scully. How are you getting on? I'm good. What an introduction. <laughs> uh, it was a busy enough week this week and weekend. How did you get on with your tag rugby? Yes, well, the Limerick ladies, we made it into the All-Ireland final the first time in our history. And uh, yeah, we lost out in dropout to a Dublin team. Um, it was amazing few days, a um, few games, I should say, in the one day. But um, as you know, I'm carrying an injury and unfortunately my foot didn't come right on the day. So I was number one supporter for the girls, stood there in my gear and my boots. And I was kind of hoping for a miracle game after game, but it just didn't come. So um, unfortunately, I couldn't play. But as said, it was great for Limerick. Um, now, it was Obviously, losing the final was, was devastating. We yeah. were pretty upset about it. But uh, we were also really proud to make it that far. And of course, then the Limerick hurlers lost as well. So it's been a bit of a, a tough weekend. weekend of sport yeah. yeah, for Limerick. But sure, look, we'll be back. We will be back. But on a positive note for yes. the Limerick people over the weekend, there was one winner. Yes, there was, certainly was. Um, Greg O'Shea won Love Island, which was incredible because he only entered the villa 12 days before the final. Um, and he coupled up with Amber and... Uh, Amber was actually there from day one she was the first girl into the island he was the last person in. she was the first one and he was the last one and uh, they weren't even officially boyfriend and girlfriend when they won it so that's kind of a huge thing for the show because Molly May and uh, Tommy Fury were the favourites and uh, they pipped them to the post and I just think Greg was actually I saw a tweet and I think it really summed it up it's like Greg went in he was a gentleman he treated the women with respect and he walked away with £25,000 so like you know it just shows fair play Greg yeah Mm. I can't wait for him to come home when is the homecoming (laughs) and I think because the Limerick Hurlers are out and obviously us we didn't win the All-Ireland final I think everyone is going to turn out for this homecoming and I I think there has to be an open top bus down on Connell Street myself and Amber there has to be oh it'd be so much fun station and everything yeah I genuinely think thousands would turn up for it because I think he's like people are like so proud of him and uh, it's, it's amazing and I think it's really boosted everyone and lifted an awful lot of spirits I know a lot of people kind of there's people out there who don't watch the show and don't believe in reality TV shows. But I think no matter what, I feel like everyone has jumped on the bandwagon. Ah, uh, definitely. And people, yeah. I, even I was glued to the final and I even, I remember one stage. <laughs> you were addicted to the show. Oh, addicted yeah. to the last two weeks. Actually, when Greg entered, I started watching it. And uh, 
And finally, my friends, we had a bit of a Love Island party. It was about mm. 10 of us inside in the room trying to watch it. Yeah, so it was great. Lovely. And uh, this week as well, we were over at Narrative 4. Yes, which is on O'Connell Street. And that was I, your first time in the building. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. much about it at all. So basically, it was a library. I won't give too much away because it's in the video. Um, and it was restored and it's stunning now. It's like such a cool space. And uh, they do some really cool stuff, which uh, I think if people are new to Limerick or whether you're a little bit shy, I think it's something you should give a go to. Um, it's basically about storytelling and telling your own story. So as I said, I don't want to give too much away. It is up on limerickpost.e forward slash show right now. Um, I chatted to Bernadine and Rachel all about what Narrative 4 do and also a very special event that they're running in August. And the event is on? The 14th in 1314. Cool. Uh, we also had an interview meeting with people from the Limerick Social Show. Yes, we did. So the Limerick um, Show was coming up. It's an agriculture and horticulture show. It's in its 90th year. And we spoke to Donny and Dicky all about it and all the different events that are taking place. It's happening in the Limerick Racecourse towards the end of August. And uh, I have to say, I really enjoyed chatting to the guys and uh, learning more about the show. And I think agricultural shows, um, no matter what, just always like attract really like great crowds and they're always loads of fun uh, family fun events so children are obviously welcome and there's like kids zones and everything and you get to see horses and dogs and there's a dog show and I mean I could just go on and on but as I said you can watch that online as well you're a horse person I am so you've been to a few of these shows I'd imagine as a little girl I was yeah. dragged around yes I went all over Ireland my dad and I to all the shows Um, I was I was constantly every weekend in a different county with the horse lorry with my like ponies as a kid um, brilliant but like when you don't win it's, you don't you know you haven't, when you haven't got that red ribbon it's like you know you didn't win but uh, I had some smashing ponies over the years also had some very cheeky ponies at uh, one time I was in a show I can't remember what county it was in and uh, my it was lashing rain it, to be fair it was awful weather and my pony at the time her name was Sapphire she was at uh, Snow White and she put the brakes on and she stood there and she refused point blank to move she wouldn't even walk for me a fair play to her you know standing her ground yeah but then I came last because they, they couldn't put me anywhere else because <laughs> she didn't move. So uh, I remember I, I cried and cried. But that's just suppose a lot of the, you know, it's part of life growing up and learning about winning and losing. But yeah, and it was always great fun. And, you know, I think the great thing about it is when you were growing up with horses, you were out cleaning yards, mucking out stables, like you were doing yard work as well. So it kind of, it's very disciplining as well. And actually, I have great balance now because of horse riding. Nice one. No. I mean, again, I could probably just do a podcast all about horses. <laughs> so uh, for this week's show, people can find it on lyricpost.e forward slash show. Yes, and it'll be shared across our Facebook Limer post and all our social media feeds. And uh, yeah, another really exciting show coming up on Friday. Cool. And then there's bits throughout the week as well. Yeah, loads. Just uh, just keep an eye on. Make sure you like us and follow us across social media channels just so you can be the first to see uh, what we're doing and what we're getting up to. Megan, thank you very much. Can and hopefully you get to enjoy the homecoming of Greg. I know, I'm so excited. I hope we're going to be fro. <laughs> Cheers. <Front> <laughs> I'm now joined in studio by sporting Limerick journalist John Keogh. John, how are you after the weekend? Devastated game. I'd imagine Still, so, like, yeah. like most of Limerick and beyond, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, it's just look, the fact that they didn't perform to their fullest. And I've been saying for weeks that if Limerick do, they'll beat everyone and beat them comfortably, I believe. But they didn't perform to their fullest since they lost by a point, you know. Um, just a bad opening 15 minutes. The Raw was playing catch up from there. You know, got very close. Could never really get, never got level with Kilkenny again from when they started the game. Um, just deeply, deeply, um, up, not upsetting, I suppose is the wrong word, but deeply frustrating in one sense. And just disappointing that, you know, like I think there's not Ireland there to be won. Yeah. You know, looking yeah. at the, the two, what, teams, the that two are left. teams that are left, you know, are, you're not, you're not looking at A, either provincial champion or B, 
they're nowhere near the strongest Kilkenny Tipperary sides that are going to win in All-Ireland like Kilkenny or Tipperary a couple of years ago under Michael Ryan winning one and then obviously Brian Cody's won so many you know but they're better Kilkenny teams over the years and certainly better Tipperary teams as well so disappointing from that front but you know you, you just have to move on and look there's a very young group of players they're seriously talented you know there's there's plenty more left than these lads I mean they've, they've, up until Saturday we're still defending All-Ireland champions you know that they, won Munster that won the league as well but you know it's just a bit sobering maybe like that okay maybe Kilkenny caught him on the day maybe the break since the Munster final similar we'll leave at Wexford maybe it isn't maybe something that has to be looked at the provincial champions having to wait nearly a month to play and that's not making excuses Cork had the same thing last year and Limerick got them cold so you know and the year before we saw with uh, Waterford yeah, yeah you know so it's 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 definitely an issue I think it, it has to be looked at but is it like uh, is, is it or is, is there like outside of the actual winning your province your, your provincial title is there is it a benefit or a hindrance so it's two years in a row that a provincial title winner hasn't won the All-Ireland yeah. yeah you know so like in, in Munster it's, it's fairly poor in the last 10 years that the provincial winner hasn't gone on yeah but we've been talking just before coming on air mm-hmm. and we were saying how a friendly would help but it's impossible to get a no, friendly no, this lucky, time you, you yeah. just you, you have the inter-county teams that are out of out of the championship are, are, are gone they're effectively yeah. broken up as a panel and you, you wouldn't it would be ramshackle anyway like you don't know what these some of them were travelled yeah well, but some yeah. of them were travelled like yeah. and, you know and then you're not going to be playing against either team that's left in it because you could be playing them in the final and it's, it's, it'd be counterproductive, I think, that, that to have that. So Limerick would have had A and B games between each other in the build-up like they would have done to the build-up the start of the season. Definitely think they were caught cold early on. I don't, don't subscribe to the fact that they weren't expecting Kilkenny to be that physical. Well, that's the number one thing you're going to get from Kilkenny anyway. Yeah. And Limerick do it to teams too. So, I mean, uh, I'm not sure and how, how plausible it is to believe that Limerick weren't prepared for that. But everything else, you know, we haven't talked about the, the 65 at the end yet. Like, it was wrong. You know, the wrong decision was made. There's some wrong decisions made in both games over the weekend. 100%, yeah. yeah but we're focusing on Limerick game. We are, we are. <laughs> no, yeah. but they're looked at... The, I'm just saying that it's the broader. Ha- seems to be happening Yeah, it is. It, there's a broader issue of... of um, the way games are being officiated in sense, but, but focusing on this one incident. And you could argue as well that Limerick should, had a very soft penalty at the end of the first half too. But on this one incident, something that should have been spotted, I'm not using that as an excuse. The Limerick management team or players aren't using it as an excuse. But Limerick should have been awarded a 65. There's no question. There's absolutely no question that that should have been awarded. The fact that the linesman was standing right in front of it baffles me that it wasn't spotted. But it wasn't. And you move on from that. Your point on the following game, the Tipperary-Wexford game, you know, there were so many decisions yeah. in that game that could have went either way. Goals disallowed, penalties not given, everything. Yeah, and, and the Hawkeye intervening yeah. on the ball. And I think the ball did go over the bar, but look, that's that's besides the point, really. The flag didn't go up. It was yeah. Hawkeye checked. And does Hawkeye tra- follow? Well, I trust the Hawkeye. Traje- but it follows the trajectory. <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't spot if a ball has gone just over the bar. It follows where the ball would end up or where... Something along those lines. I'm not sure. We looked to point anyone anyway replay, but the time it took. Yeah. Tipperary had scored a goal by the time it was brought back, and you're just going, something not really right about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And the argument of hockey, its general sense of deciding a score or not is perfectly fine, but the problem is it's only in Thurlis and Croke Park. Yeah. 
you know it ha- if, if you're going to use something like this we'll see it with VAR in the Premier League next year it's going to cause absolute consternation but if it gets the right decision in the end like it did in the Champions League semi-final between Man City and Spurs you know with Sterling's goal being disallowed yeah. I don't care how long it takes it's great it, it's fantastic yeah. so I mean, you, you can give out about it it's where it's element of fact goal or not 100% point or not if you start bringing it in for everything you're, you're going to create yeah, yeah. and it, we'll be talking about cricket in a bit a little bit but in cricket the way it works is fantastic team has one challenge if a certain thing happens they re-keep the challenge when they, when they appeal or whatever else it, it's look it's the way to go like. so but, but when it comes to a 50-50 decision where it's opinion based I don't think you can bring technology no, in in that front you have to trust the referees the standard refereeing is a bigger issue really for me and not just I, I, I certainly believe in I, I'm very very slow to criticise referees it's a ridiculously hard job Yeah. but you're far from the two best referees in the country refereeing the semi-finals and that was known well before both semi-finals so these things did happen as a result. I, I don't. I think. I don't think that's fair. But you want the best referees ref, refereeing. They must the important level games. games. Yeah. Now it's a tradition in GA that a, refer, a referee that refs semi final won't be refing the final. It's a lot of codswall. If you get the best referees, okay, they can't be from the same county as the teams involved. Yeah. And you you've a wider issue about umpires and stuff like that as well. That they're not trained. They're not sufficiently trained. I know that for a fact because I refereed at intercounty or umpired at intercounty <laughs> level but on, on a serious note it, it's not right that I mean I know to go through stringent um, fitness tests and all this it's, it doesn't co- compare to what the players yeah. do the time they put in the time they put in I know the referees work their backsides yeah. off to, to be as fit as they can at intercounty level but they're travelling they have to travel ridiculous speeds where yeah. players are in their own zone a lot of the times they have to travel in that zone referee has to be up and down up and down I'm not saying that they're not fit I'm not saying that they need help whether that help is from two referees I don't know if that's the case I don't, number one you don't have enough referees refereeing again yeah, yeah. I, I think something has to be done you know you look at other sports and two referees and it seems to to work you know in, in the AFL and the Aussie rules stuff it, it looks better you know it, it just genuinely does look and when the compromise rules the Gaelic football in Australia as you see two referees and you're going okay yeah, yeah. I, I, I can it, it cuts out it cuts out a lot in my eyes because the game's going so fast and hurling again is a is hundred times quicker as well and you see in, in ice hockey as well they've, they've a few referees it's it's just something has to be done whether that's the case or not I don't know but going back to Limerick I went off on a tangent there sorry you always do yeah I do to be fair <laughs> apologies but yeah it's just very disappointing there may have been an All-Ireland you, you like lost out there and that's not that's been disparaging towards the other teams it's just you don't how many chances do you get to win an All-Ireland yeah. it's not going to come around every year no matter how good you are it just doesn't Yeah, it's impossible to keep that going but look they've club championship back in a couple of weeks and hopefully it'll so how was the reaction in the dressing room after when you yeah I wasn't down now getting getting reaction yeah. now but, but Sporting Limerick were down there and look John, John Kiley was very pragmatic about you know, it just wasn't up. We left ourselves with too much to do. And, and that's the reality of it. I think if Limerick had got level with Kilkenny, they would have went on to win the game. So what's for the future now? Future, hopefully, like, these, these, I, don't, I don't see too many players. Like, there's a couple of lads in their early 30s, like Tom Condon, Nicky Quaid and Graham Mulcahy, just around the 30, 31 mark now. 
don't see them going Richie McCarthy had made a great comeback from injury maybe he may look at things but he had a year out so maybe he want to give another shot next year the rest of the players are of an age that yeah. another good few years left in them they're looked briefly on the minors as well you've, you've a lad who'll be on the Limerick panel fairly soon in Cahill O'Neill he's only gone into fifth year but he look he's an outstanding talent I mean like they didn't Kilkenny were the better team in the day and deserved their win in the minor game as well but anyone watching Cahill O'Neill for the first time were just shaking their head and wondering at how, how good for a seven year body he's just 17 how good and how talented this lad is but we're not going to put any pressure on him yeah. he just looks a senior hurler already you know he's only going into fifth year he'll be playing Harty Cup for Arts Gallery but the future is still bright the future is still bright a lot of good players coming yeah. through still and you know we just look it's get back on the saddle next year and hopefully give it another crack yep and then we're over to the football this weekend yeah senior football championship came returned last week in Limerick with Newcastle West and Adair um, keeping up their 100% records you know it's um, had a long break I think it was April was the last game was it yeah it was, it was sometime in April so they, they're back in action more fixtures again the junior championship started as well intermediate championship was ongoing so more games this weekend than that um, and as I said the the Senior Hurling Championship fixtures were released last night, so uh, weekend, Saturday, August the 10th, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, there'll be games and that, so it just does, like it's anything a lot else, of sport to look forward there's to. a lot of, it, it just immediately, you're back in action st- pretty much straight away, so that's that's the story there. Elsewhere, um, the Limerick ladies football team lost to Sligo, so they're going to be in a relegation game, huge game for them, if they lose that, they're back junior, a um, couple of weeks' time, and the biggest thing this weekend were all our inter-county hopes of chance of winning anything anyway now. Rest with the senior Camogie team who play a quarter-final against Tipperary and Thurlis and for the first time, certainly, I could be wrong in this, I'm open to correction, but it's televised, the quarter-finals of the Camogie Championship televised. I don't ever remember that happening before. It's fantastic. Maybe it happened last year. I could be wrong. But Limerick are in it anyway. Um, playing Tipperary and Thurlis, part of a doubleheader in Galway and Waterford in the other quarterfinal after it so everybody should get out and support everyone them. should get out yeah. and get to that if they can um, so I think it's five, half five thrown for that even though if it is on telly go down and support the girls anyway. yeah. they're worthy of support have made a huge strides this year isn't too far either and Turles an hour and a bit away like so that's the biggest one this weekend so hopefully they can they can make it to the semi-finals yeah. probably Cork it will be Cork in the semi-final if they get through to that I think best so. to look to them yeah exactly and then uh, there's another great article from Nilo Carroll in this yeah and yeah like Niall's last article a um, couple of weeks ago focused on refocus triggers ahead of the Open Championship mental uh, triggers things like that and how you if you have, have like just as an example have a bad shot how do you get back into the zone and he mentioned Padraig Harrington how it was Caddy told him in 2007 Open Championship is just this same shot you hit every day in your backyard and it kind of took all the pressure away just talks about Shane Lowry and how, how we went about winning it and how he was like he was, he was an excited child on the final day saying to his caddy he admitted after I just can't think about not winning I, 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 I can't wait to get my hands in it and he was just saying stay with me his caddy just trying to keep him on a level footing like, just still around but he, he was just an excited child it was yeah. fantastic to see and the beauty of Shane Lowry and we talked about it the week after is how he just wears everything openly his heart on his sleeve and just you'd know by him he was, he was just mad he couldn't stop thinking about winning which is fantastic and how a lot of people, Niall was saying, a lot of people in his industry of the mental skills coaching say, oh, it's the worst thing in the world to be thinking about that. But sure, you embrace what you have, you exactly, know, yeah. you embrace your own personality once you're comfortable in your own skin effectively, like 
why change what who you are and he he married that up with what happened with Rory and it was a complete and utter mental fail on the first hole and just not again like every article now it comes up with another brilliant read and pick up you know, the paper and have, have, a look. have a look at yeah. the paper on Thursday and uh, over to the soccer yeah we, we won't stay too long in this either um, just a disaster yeah. disaster I know 4-3 says oh they did come back just the first half an hour there Limerick were not at the races Tommy Barrett admitting after the game 3-0 down he wanted to make the changes he says I should have made the changes at 1-0 after 10 minutes you could see it wasn't right um, he did make the changes he brought off um, Aaron Fitzgerald left back was having a tough time and Kieran Hanlon who'd been injured going into the game was a risk had a back problem all week and hadn't trained and brought on Clyde O'Connell and Sean McSweeney both play, had very very solid games um, 3-0 down at half time um, Ian Turner former Limerick FC player scoring a cracker creating one of the first goals with an outrageous cross with the outside of his right foot and a former Fairview Rangers junior soccer player Brian Murphy scored twice for Cove so 3-0 down at half time Limerick came back 3-2 brilliant comeback all set up had a couple of half chances to, to level things and probably would have went on to win the game fairly harsh enough penalty debatable penalty anyway given away and Cove midfielder David Hurley with the most outrageous of penalties it's certainly one yeah. he did a little skip and a hop and just <laughs> landed And but where he placed the ball how he even managed to place the ball into the corner the way he approached the penalty was just I was talking to the Cove manager after the game he was just shaking his head at even trying it Like, but Limerick came back again Lee Devitt scoring another goal very impressive performance by Lee Devitt again 4-3 ultimately you know very disappointing it pretty much does finish Limerick's playoff hopes kind of done anyway Yeah. and now it's all about what's, what's next like I say I said every we've done it to death we don't know what's next you have to wait and see at this stage it is know? all about yeah. waiting and see but they're um, they're away to Cabin Teeley, uh this Friday night as well so away to Cabo in Dublin Cabin Teeley hold the final playoff place putting Limerick great points off them now and not looking we have two home games left as well in the yeah. season Um They've lost their last two two home games now, and three home games, sorry, so Shells, Drogheda, and now Cove. Cove won, they've Cove Wanderers and a non-league club in the FAI Cup, two home games. It's just about running out the season now at this stage. And then hopefully something in the off-season will, will happen. But yeah. See where it, where it takes us, yeah. And then uh, over to the cricket, John. Yeah, Limerick uh, Cricket Club, uh, two big semi-finals this weekend. They're up against Cork opposition in both. Uh, the seconds are playing Middleton for the second week running and the junior team are playing Cork Harlequins both games down in Cork over the weekend so keep an eye on our social media channels and the social media channels of Limerick Cricket Club to find out more details about them games over the weekend and all sports news as well as podcast videos and much much more are available on sportinglimerick.com or limerickpost.e or by following the hashtags sportlk and keeping Limerick posted John thanks very much for joining us more than welcome and uh, enjoy your rest of your week and the weekend you too okay. in the sport yeah. good luck cheers so I'm now joined in studio by our arts editor Rose Rush Rose welcome back from your holidays how do you get on thank you very much yeah. a huge vote for the new country to me Turkey and the resort of Bite is at a wonderful time jumping off boats in the Aegean <laughs> brilliant uh, so in the arts page this week we have some hard news taking the bottom part of the page yes indeed and Kian will agree on this it's good news I'm telling you re- listener I keep forgetting you're not my reader anymore. Listener, um, I love this story because it puts the lie to the frequently believed concept out there that 
artists are loafers and takers and beggars, etc., etc., when they're not actually on the stage yeah. or playing instruments or outside of paid contracts and positions and exhibitions and creative work. Um, it's been in the news for a couple of weeks now, They're the big extension to the social welfare scheme for self-employed artists. As of September, our culture minister, Josepha Madigan, has decreed that uh, the eligibility um, base for it moves well beyond visual and writing artists That's who brilliant. had the primary say. It is, yeah. it is, it is, because it's your work and so many other people's work to engage in this community at so many levels. And how often are we impressed and won and wooed and elevated and transported in our lives by, by what they make and do. So we're told that the underlying principles guided the new catchment is that the expanded scheme recognises the unique creative circumstances of artists in receipt of job seekers allowance. And it gives them assistance for when they're out of work, this first year in which they're out of work. So they will be supported, allowing them to focus on their creative output. So as of September, people get to work on their portfolio rather than have to participate in normal, you know, labour market activation activities. Mm -hmm. Now, there are figures to support why this scheme works. I'll tell you in a minute. So I'll just itemise some of the the careers in which you're now legitimate to go forward for this this, uh, weekly support. Uh, It now embraces actors, theatre and film directors, dancers, opera singers, set costume and lighting designers, musicians, composers, choreographers, architects and street performers. And there's a few more in the mix as well. And every, everything that you just mentioned there has a lot that goes on in the background and people just see the finished product. Here, here. Yeah. Thank you. And you only purchase a ticket if it's a ticket event at all. Exactly. Finished product. Yeah. But take street performance, for example. Yeah. Uh, an art in itself. Mm-hmm. But we walk past it, we smile and rarely throw the copper. Exactly. Yeah. So in that light, how does the human being, you know, behind this beautiful form work? So uh, happy to tell the listener that a pilot scheme was done to evaluate this before a decision was made to open at the base and promise on a permanent basis this first year support is available to you. So a pilot study was done. The study shows, and I editorialise in this, so some of this is my own wording. The study shows that this scheme is good for the tax-paying labour force as much as the creation of consistently professional art and developing a career and body of work. Now I go back into the Department of Culture speak again, okay? Analysis indicates that the vast majority of the artists on the pilot, more than 87%, who subsequently exited from the Job Seekers Allowance Scheme, do so within the first year. So it's that essential crutch to support the making, the thinking out of the ruminations, the networking that goes with pulling your platform together. Well, that's brilliant news, Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're both very happy about Definitely. that. Definitely. And then uh, the main piece on your page this week is about uh, some visual arts. Yes, indeed. And an artist whom I consider to be almighty. I know the man for about the 20 years that he's been making art. I'm not afraid to tell you he's he's a friend and a former close neighbour. His name is Kiron O'Sullivan, a qualified art teacher teaching out in Newcastle West called married with family, walks his dog every night, this sort of thing. Lovely bloke. Kiran's originally from County Louth. He began his studies in the NCAD and moved here to graduate then in painting from Limerick School of Art and Design. So that's what we call the, the metadata, right? Yeah. He, for as long as I've known him, he's been intrigued by the human head, 
the skull and the communication of psyche of, of our psyche our the subject psyche through the portrayal in all sorts of various techniques and again representations of the head occasionally his own but it is so never a vanity project so god bless Brenna Lachlan who laid out my arts page for me she did full and fair justice to this most beautiful print of his this must be his standout canvas yeah, it's, in the it show looks massive up it's six foot five by five feet bigger than myself <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the two of us combined, yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> and he's created it in in a series of eight panels. And I, he just tells us then the various techniques he uses to achieve such extraordinary work, okay. They're painted in a very expressive manner whereby I combine techniques such as dripping, paint, splats and blobs of paint, Scraping, scratching, as well as more conventional painting methods in a complex layering process. Now, if you knew the guy, he's the least showy <laughs> and nerdy of speakers. So he's just really, he's just giving us his, his modus operandi here. I also work with various transparencies and glazes, trying at different, drawing at different rates to achieve a contrast of textures. More recently, I began isolating areas of the canvas to build up the layers while leaving other areas entirely blank. The untouched canvas becomes part of the finished piece. Now that's brave. Yeah. That's brave. Sounds really interesting. Sounds great. Now you can catch his work, uh, free entry as our, thank God, virtually all exhibitions mm -hmm. I think in town, other than the very, very expensive touring collections hosted by the Museum. Um, Gallery Interlude is a joint project between Contact Studios and Lucky Lane. It pops up over a three-day or four-day weekend at this Catherine Street venue. Uh, you walk in through this um, arty and tiki looking, very pretty lane, to the rear, which is fully covered and protected. So Gallery Interlude has this next show. Its subject is Kiran O'Sullivan. The network throughout supporting all this, led by Carl Doran, is Contact Studios. This show is called Through My Eyes. It opens on Friday, August the 9th, between 7 and 9 p.m. Afterwards, there's always a banging opening night party, free to everybody who's been to the show, uh, at the Glen Tavern, where a little bit of hot grub is thrown on the table, and it's a lovely network of munch-munch, music, powwow, and fun. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, Kieran's exhibition opens again the next day, Saturday the 10th from 11 to 5, Sunday the 11th from 4 to, sun, the next Sunday then from 11 to 4, and Monday the 12th of August from 11 to 3 p.m. And I'm quite sure everything is for sale. Um, go quickly because the red dots will appear. That's good news. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, Indeed. very impressive artist. And now we have uh, some news from Limerick Writer Centre. Yes, we yeah. do. Limerick They're always Writer busy, Center, aren't they? Who are vitiating this, this, um, Limerick is definitely quieter for the arts in summer. So thank God for visual art and thank God for lunchtime concerts yeah. at Mary's Cathedral. There's still plenty to see and do. Um, Limerick Writer Centre are eternally fecund. Their quality is quite sky high. It's led by um, it's led by Dominic Taylor with other good hens be, heads behind him, such as you know, Donald Thurlow. He's based out in Brough and he has led the Bloomsday costume dressing out in Brough for, for a long time now. We hope it returns again. 
Um, they lead the On the Nail monthly literary gathering. This summer it moved to Sexton's Bar, which is our next door neighbour. And reader, what you don't know is that Sexton's Bar delights us because walk into it, it has been remade by the Healy family as an Irish house. Mm -hmm. Not a posh Irish house, but it has a lobby. It's got a parlour with a stove. It's got a kitchen, which is the bar area. And tell the reader about the loo, please, about this Victorian bathroom. You There's tell a one cubicle set aside that has a toilet and a bathtub. The bathtub's carved into a couch and the toilet's fashioned as a seat. So you can sit down and feel like you're just at home yeah. while you're having your pint or your pizza. Worst <laughs> piece of work. It is a lovely venue. It's beautiful. You're yeah. here. You're here. Uh, they do incredible pizza, so good luck to the, 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 <laughs> the hardy followers around the nail. They're going to be well looked after by, by manager Kelly Healy. Anyway, this month's literary gathering, it uh, presents Breda Spate and Dara Bradish. Both poets are very high, me, and please just look at our speech tomorrow and in the digital thing tonight. I won't go through all the awards yeah. that they've been nominated for, the prizes that they have taken home, the, you know, worthy journals they have. So for a full in. list, pop on to Rose's arts <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Again, the names are Dara Bradish and Breda Spate. And listener, that takes place tomorrow evening, Thursday, August 1st from 8pm. And I couldn't recommend it enough. Brilliant. Okay. It's a jolly gathering. And there's an open mic session afterwards for musicians, singers, storytellers, anybody with a book to flog or a CD to sell that is of their own making. Do not come here to recycle yesterday's journal, okay? Warning. <laughs> That's some good advice, Rose. Yeah, okay. Now, more coming from, I told you they were eternally fecund. It doesn't stop there. And uh, this has long been flagged to me, the tour of the Meg Poets country. Now, for those who can't remember who the Meg Poets are, well, my all-time favourite is Michael Hartnett. Look up his Inchicor Haiku if you want to know what brilliance in what five words is. Uh, Dahio Bruder, Sean O'Toole, and many more. Now, what uh, Dominic told me is that this tour of the Meg Poets, it's, it, we know it's an annual thing they do. You arrive at Dolan's Bar on the Dock Road on Friday, August 16. For 11.30am, you join the annual bus tour of Significant Sights, and what I write in today's pages, you're going to tour their, not to go into their homesteads, but have a whiz around them. Their habitats, far more important and inspirational matter to each of these poets. It's a gorgeous four hours join. She'll return to Limerick for 3.30, have 15 quid to cover the bus fare and, you know, a bit of lunch, I suppose. And what Dominic suggests to us is join us on a magical trip around County Limerick for a guided tour of places associated with the poets of the Gaelic tradition. I've given you their names already and um, some of the places detailed are Adair, Nakfirna for the Poets Trail, Kilmallock and Croom, home of the Meg Poets. Now, we know the span of Limerick from Kilmala to Adair to Croom, so this is an almighty trip. Um, your cultivated tour guide, who will be an entertaining man and expect much poetry to be quoted and a lot of laughs, his name is Michael Liston. And if you're smart, you're going to book your seat in advance by email on limerickwriterscentre at gmail.com. Brilliant. Rose, thanks very much for joining me this week. You're good to humour me, Cian. <laughs> and thank you for coming back to us. Okay. <laughs> Best of luck, Rose. Bye-bye. So that's it for this week's Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. I'd like to thank our head of news, Jerry Collison, for joining me. Journalist Bernie English hosted a Limerick Post show, Megan Scully. 
arts editor Rose Rush and sports journalist John Keogh from Sporting Limerick for joining me this week. For more news, arts, sports, entertainment and much, much more, visit limerickpost.ie or follow the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all social media channels. As always, we are Keeping Limerick Posted.